Welcome to the Beyond Barriers podcast. If you're an ambitious woman who wants to dominate your career, then you are in the right place. This podcast is co-hosted by Nikki Barua, digital innovator, serial entrepreneur, author, and speaker. And Monica Marquez, ex-Googler, diversity expert, and senior corporate leader. From inspiring stories to cutting-edge strategies, you'll learn how to develop the skill set, mindset, and tool set to get future-ready fast and accelerate your success. Hi, it's Monica Marquez, your podcast host for today's episode. What do you do when you plan for the future of work, but the future shows up overnight? What if this COVID-19's pandemic was the colossal catalyst for the transformation and disruption of work, culture, and talent development in organizations that many HR execs have long advocated for, but have never been able to advance? In today's episode, Enrique Rubio shares his perspectives on hacking HR and looking at the strategies and technologies that will help you enable those changes while elevating humanity in the workplace. Enrique is an HR, tech, and future of work expert and keynote speaker and founder of Hacking HR, a global learning community at the intersection of future of work, technology, business, and organizations with thousands of members all over the world. He came to the United States from Venezuela as a Fulbright scholar. Prior to coming to the U.S., Enrique was the CEO at Management Consultants, a firm specialized in human resources in Venezuela. Enrique has over 20 years of experience and is an electronic engineer with an executive master's in public administration from the Maxwell School. Visit www.imbeyondbarriers.com where you will find show notes and links to all the resources referenced in this episode, including the best way to get in touch with Enrique. Welcome, Enrique. Thank you so much for being on the Beyond Barriers podcast. We are super excited to have you as our guest today and learn a little bit about the world of hacking HR and your background, which is extremely interesting. Um, I think this is the first time ever I've met someone who is an electronic engineer, (laughs) who is an expert HR executive um, with a master's in public administration and a Fulbright scholar. So, um, would love to for you to share with our audience your story and your journey and kind of what um, what was the transformation you experienced to go from engineering to HR and how are you marrying the two together? Absolutely. Well, Monica, thank you so much for having me. It is uh, it is a, an honor to be here. You know what's funny is if you had asked this question to somebody with my background 25, 30 years ago, mm-hmm. uh, they probably you know, the, work, the workplaces back then probably wouldn't have, um, you know, sort of valued that much such a background, right? Because, mm-hmm. you know, we valued more some people who were in the same silo for a long period of time because we equated expertise to how long have you been doing the same thing, right? Right. Today, the story is very different. The story is how many things have you done different from what we're hiring you to do? Mm-hmm. How much mess ups have you done in your career? <laughs> how many times have you failed? And how many times have you tried? Uh, on, okay, oh, that's good, right? So that the workplaces today, I think they, they value as expertise as not necessarily being in the same silo for a long period of time, but as in being more horizontal about the, the knowledge that you have accrued in your career mm-hmm. and how you're making sense of all those pieces for the work that they're hiring you to do. Mm-hmm. So anyway, I just wanted to start with that because my, my, my background sounds a little bit all over the place, right? I, I started working as an engineer and actually the, re- the main reason, which not, not everybody knows of why I wanted to be an engineer is because I really wanted to be an astronaut. Oh, and wow. mm-hmm. Yeah. 
I couldn't do it because I'm claustrophobic. So <laughs> okay. that probably wouldn't have worked. No, but, no, no. Um, but I said, you know what? In my country, my home country or my, my birth country, Venezuela, I, I, you know, there was nothing like, you know, uh, to do, to be an astronaut right after that, after, you know, like right like that. So I said, you know, the closest thing to that would be to be an electronic engineer. Mm-hmm. And, and then I can grow from there. So anyway, I started as an electronic engineer. I worked 10 years uh, in telecommunications. Then I switched to, uh, to human resources. Mm-hmm. And, and, you know, the way I combine all of the work that I have done in electronic engineering with my education in public administration, with the, work, the social work that I've done, because I was also very involved in, in uh, nonprofits back in, in Venezuela, mm-hmm. and the work that I'm doing now with Hacking HR, it all all of the pieces make sense together because one, one piece of knowledge from one field really makes sense into the other field. For example, as an engineer, you know, we are trained to have a mindset of you know, problem solving, experimentation, quick iterations, project management, which is something that you no, don't, normally don't have in HR. Right. In HR, is, you, know, you are uh, you know, risk averse. You're not that innovative in general, you know, traditionally. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I'm, I'm not generalizing, but traditionally it's being, you know, non-innovative, low risk, doing the same thing day in and day out. That's why you see so many f- heads of HR that are, are brought from the legal mm-hmm. space, which is, you know, not that innovative in general because, you mm-hmm. know, it's, it's hard to change. So I'm, I bring all these pieces together and for Hacking HR, it makes sense because, well, you know, we are a community which, you know, goes, ties back to my working in uh, uh, nonprofits. We are a very agile community, which ties back to my experience in engineering, and mm-hmm. we put people first. You know, our mm-hmm. main purpose is to create a better HR, to create better workplaces, to create a better society, which all ends up, you know, uh, uh, the meaning of, all, of it all is to do better for humans, and that mm-hmm. ties back to my work in HR. So all of the work that I've done in my career somehow ties back to what I'm doing right now. And it, you know, like Steve Jobs said one time, you know, it only, you only connect the dots looking backwards. Mm-hmm. You know, it didn't make sense for me back then. You know, I never, I never expected myself to say, to be in HR when I was an electronic engineer. engineer. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, when I started my career in HR, I never expected to, to be the founder of a community like Hacking HR. So it only makes sense now because I am looking back and saying like, oh, okay, all these dots are connecting and this yes. is the way they are connecting. That's beautiful. You truly are living the the kind of mission or the embodiment or just the word hacking HR. You truly are helping us hack HR. So mm-hmm. how did you gain the clarity? Um, you know, I, you know, like you said, you shifted into HR. What was that transformation? You were in engineering, you decided to go into HR. How did you gain the clarity of, like you said, looking back, realizing what you could bring to HR? Well, it, to me, it coincidentally, because of all the things that are happening right now, you know, we are in the middle of this crisis of the coronavirus. To me, it mm-hmm. happened during a crisis, actually. Mm-hmm. I, I, I see myself as a very creative person. You know, mm-hmm. I, I, you know if, if, when I define myself, I define myself as a misfit, uh, meaning that for mm-hmm. me, it's very difficult to just, you know, be, you know, to, to abide by the rules that have been <laughs> set by some superpower. And, and so I was working in this place, it's a small company that I gave myself into it. You know, I, I put all my energy and my love into that company and they fired me because I was at, at the time, at the end of my career in that company, I had started creating another company to do uh, social like projects and, and whatnot, right? Mm-hmm. 
And when they found out about that, they got really mad at me and they fired me for that. Like no reason. Like that was the, the only reason for them was like, you cannot do two things at the same time. So we're firing you. So I, I went back to wow. HR and I said mm-hmm. like, how is this even possible? <laughs> and they said, well, you know, like we can't do anything about it, blah, blah, blah. And I said to me, like, I can't believe that HR is like this. Like, mm-hmm. why, are, why are, are they not doing the right thing right now? I mean, I am a, you know, I have delivered so much value to this company and they are doing something wrong. So that was an epiphany for me that because I said, you know, mm-hmm. I started researching about HR and I said, you know, if this is the way HR is and this is the way they are treating me and I am a, I, I'm, I'm, I'm delivering value in this company. Imagine how it would be for other people who maybe they are less visible in the company mm-hmm. or, or maybe they are less sort of extroverted. Like I am very extroverted and outspoken. Mm-hmm. So how, how would they treat them if they treat me this way? So I said, you know what? I want to get into HR and I want to see if I can do things differently, mm. right? So I started my career in HR and then the epiphany to create Hacking HR came at a time when I... I, I started combining HR with my background in electronic engineering. I started doing research about the future of work, the impact of technology in HR. And I realized that in HR, we are lacking the tools to understand all that's going on right now. Mm-hmm. And, and um, by the way, all of this is pre-coronavirus. So this mm-hmm. is all my thinking pre-coronavirus. So I, I, I found out that in HR, we lacked the, the, the knowledge, the tools, the capabilities to really help ourselves and help our companies thrive in a reality of work that is very different from anything that we had experienced before. Mm-hmm. And I said to myself, is it possible? Uh, the assumption to me was, would HR people be interested in having conversations with technologists around the impact of technology in HR? Mm-hmm. Is that something that people would be interested in? And I found out that the answer was yes, people were, were interested in that. So that's how Hacking HR started, being a place to talk about technology and HR and future of work. Then it, all, it, it evolved mm-hmm. and became not just events to talk about those things, but now it is a community where we bring people together to collaborate, to share, to you know, work with each other and, and whatnot. So that's a, that's a series of epiphanies that I've had over the mm-hmm. past at least you know, 10, 15 years. You turned that obstacle into an opportunity, right? The obstacle of, of just that narrow thinking, that siloed thinking of, no, you can't do two things at mm-hmm. one time, which um, it stifles. It stifles mm-hmm. innovation. It stifles um, talent. So yes. I think that was amazing that you then um, took it upon yourself to say, no, this is wrong and I'm going to go help make this change. You mentioned the coronavirus and a lot of times opportunity comes out of crisis. What do you think the transformation our current HR people or professionals, executives, myself included, need to experience in terms of a transformation. What is the transformation an HR individual needs to experience to be prepared now for the new normal? Yeah, that's a, that's a great question. And, and I'm going to begin by saying, saying this. This is not a new thing, by the way. For many, many years, a lot of people have been talking about putting humans first when it mm-hmm. comes to the workplace, right? There are people who have been talking about purpose at work for 50 years, mm-hmm. for 60 years. If you remember Viktor Frankl, you know, a survivor of the, uh, of the, uh, of the concentration camps, and then he mm-hmm. started talking about finding meaning. And then you had people like uh, Mihai Shishten Mihai talking about uh, flow and finding meaning at work. So mm-hmm. these people have been doing that work for 50 plus years. 
And then you think about how the workplace has behaved for such a long period of time. They always put profit ahead of people, always put profit ahead of, ahead mm -hmm. of people. Because in their minds, sustain, business sustainability was always tantamount to how much money we're making to make mm -hmm. it sustainable and not how, uh, how much meaning people find in the work that they're doing, how happy they are, how much joy they found, find in the work that they're doing. Mm -hmm. So this is what's happening today. We are in a time of crisis where many organizations will have to make very tough decisions. You know, thousands of people will be laid off. Uh, you know, thousands of companies, small, especially small to medium-sized companies, will shut down mm -hmm. because, well, you know, that's, that's what's, hap what's happening during this crisis of the coronavirus. But the thing that I'm seeing right now is this, this fast awakening in, in HR people, but also business leaders in saying, we're going to try to do as much as we can to either not lay, lay people off or to lay the least amount of people off mm -hmm. uh, in, in our jobs. And to do that, what they're doing is they are, you know, taking pay cuts. Some CEOs are totally giving up their salaries for the year, you know, to, to mm -hmm. make sure that somehow their companies continue to, to survive during this crisis. Mm -hmm. So this idea that for so many years was, was just a, like a dream, like a hippie dream of like mm -hmm. putting people first. Now we are seeing it in reality playing out you know, a very important role during this crisis is like, mm -hmm. you know, how can we avoid as much as possible to lay our people off, to fire people, to shut down our company because we are providing to all these families right now. Let me give you another example of that, which is healthcare, particularly here in the United States. Mm -hmm. Last week, there were 3.3 million people who filed for unemployment benefits. Mm -hmm. If they had if they had healthcare provided by their employers, mm -hmm. most of them or all of them lost that healthcare. Right. So now we are in a conversation of why is it that healthcare has to be tied to employment, mm. right? Mm -hmm. So if, but this is not new. People have been talking about this for many, many years. So what I'm envisioning is, and if we learn out of this experience, because this is the critical point, if we learn out of this crisis that we're going through right now, Whenever this is over, and I'm hoping that it's sooner rather than later, but whenever this is open, we're going to have to sit down and say, you know what? We suffered a lot because, first of all, we didn't offer healthcare to our people. Mm -hmm. Second, we didn't have a safety net to the, to the most vulnerable people in our, in our countries. Mm -hmm. Third, we didn't have any protections, any protections in, in place for our small to medium-sized companies. Our solopreneurs, geek workers were just left by themselves mm -hmm. suffering while we were just giving all these bailouts to massive corporations. Mm -hmm. So we are going to come to the place where we have to really redefine what we want work to be in the future. Because this is the, this is the thing, Monica, this mm -hmm. pandemic, when, whenever we are over it, we're going to have another one. It is going yes. to be in a year from now. It is going to be in five years from now. It doesn't necessarily mean that somebody's going to be eating, you know, alive bats in Wuhan, China, mm -hmm. you know, and they, it could be whatever, you know, it doesn't have to be a, a, a virus. It can be the effect of technology, the effect of climate change, but we are going to be dealing with major accelerations that will create several pain points in humanity. So now, to me, this, this new world of work, we, we really, really, really have to put people first in the center of all the things that we do. And if we are not able to do that, we are just doomed to not only making the same mistakes, but to suffering mm -hmm. the same way we're suffering right now. And I have been saying all throughout this crisis that I am hoping that whenever we see the light of another day, whenever we go over this uh, this crisis, I hope that we are not making the same mistakes that we made before. I am hoping that at the end of this crisis, we're not in the same place where we started because then we didn't 
we didn't learn out of all the pain that we're going through at the moment. So that's my, that's my vision and my hope for the mm-hmm. future. That is exceptionally insightful and completely agree with you that it has turned HR on its head. And mm-hmm. I think there, there's a lot of HR executives and CHROs who are finding themselves in a situation where they almost maybe never prepared for this. I mean, sure, yeah. you're always preparing for, you know, you always have your contingency plans and things like this, but it, it happens in waves or they, they're like, oh, well, we'll send part of the workforce, you know, to work from home and, you know, we'll balance it out. But it's just, it was something that now is kind of forced upon them. And I totally agree with you on that. Unfortunately, and I'm again generalizing as, as you are, a lot of HR leaders or, or HR business professionals or line professionals, um, they are influenced by the business. And so yeah. rather than, like you said, putting people first and the HR person really, st- you know, kind of going to bat for the people and for their human, the human capital per se and the, and the talent, you have the business really influencing them or their decisions as to, you know, what is best for the business? What is, how is it going to impact the bottom line? And, um, you know, I could go on and on and get on my soapbox of, you know, just being a diversity professional for the past <laughs> 20 years of telling them you have no no idea how much the diversity of thought and diversity and inclusion increase the bottom line if you would just yeah. you know be a little bit more open and um, embrace that. Yeah, so I there, think that's I, fantastic. I, I, mm-hmm. I do want to add one thing to, to, to what you're saying, Monica, which is which is really mm-hmm. interesting. I, I think it is very very difficult for anybody to be prepared for something like this. This is unprecedented, mm-hmm. right? I mean. Yes. I mean, yes, we had a we had a pandemic in in 2009, and then we had another pandemic in 2014 with Ebola, and then mm-hmm. there was you know the Spanish flu in 1918. But to be in the middle of something like this at a global scale, I don't think any of us, mm-hmm. uh, you know, has been here ever ever before at this at this scale. But so so I know that there are things that are new, right? Mm-hmm. Like you know, how do we send? 90% of all, of our global workforce to work from home. That's, mm-hmm. that's, that's, that may be a new thing, right? But what is not new is some of the concept, concepts that we are sort of seeing emerge right now. Like, for example, how much you have to trust your people to let them work from home. Mm-hmm. If you think about it, four weeks ago, you probably would have asked some leaders and they would have told you, I don't want my people to work from home because I don't trust them. And they wouldn't have, they, they wouldn't have said it this way. Mm-hmm. They would have said, you know, like I only can, I can only measure productivity when they are in the office right. or, I, or, or like, oh, you have kids, mom or dad? No, I don't think you're going to be paying attention to work. You're going to be playing with your kids at home. Mm-hmm. Now, so the, the concept of building trust and letting people telework, it's not a new thing. Mm-hmm. This has been around for such a long time, but it's because of this crisis that the, 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 you know, the optimization and the maximization of, 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 tr- of trust is emerging because you don't have any option, mm-hmm. right? If you want your company to survive, you must trust that your people will do the right thing when they are working from home. Mm-hmm. So, so yes, I, I do understand that there are things that are new, but uh, th- there was somebody who said before, things have to be said several times because people don't listen. Right. Right. So this thing of remote work, you know, I have my friend Paul S, you know, from, from, uh, he used to work in Microsoft. Now he's working for staffing.com mm-hmm. and you know, he's been working on this concept for so many years and people were like, yeah, yeah you know, it's a beautiful concept. We, we don't know, but now it is like, okay, that's a new thing, you know, remote work, but it's mm-hmm. not new. It's been around for a while. It's only that people didn't trust their mm-hmm. em- employees to let this happen. So, 
So yeah, it's going to be a learning experience for everybody to know that sometimes we may be unprepared for some things in a crisis, but some other times it is important to, to, to sort of embrace the ideas some thinkers are you know, giving us, right? And I always mm-hmm. say a couple of things that to me are, I actually, this is very interesting that I said this, like about two, or two months ago in a video, I, I mentioned this and I think it's more relevant today than ever before. Mm-hmm. I said that the, the business leaders, the successful business leaders of the future, we have to do two things that are very difficult. One of them is to see the invisible and the other one is to believe the unbelievable. Mm-hmm. But let me explain what that means in this tragedy. In December, somebody said there's something going on with a virus uh, in Wuhan, China. Somebody said that in, this was back in December. Some leaders did not believe that this was true. Mm-hmm. And that includes business leaders and political leaders mm-hmm. because they didn't believe it was true and because they couldn't see it. Mm-hmm. If they had believed that this was true and they had seen what was seemingly invisible to them, mm-hmm. we wouldn't be in this place in which we are today. Same thing happens when, when you know, when, uh, some of these thinkers come to a company and say, remote work, gig workforce is a very important thing and you have mm-hmm. to take it into account. For these companies, for these business leaders, it is like, oh, I don't see it. I don't believe it. Therefore, it won't happen. <laughs> you know? No, absolutely. Uh, so so it is, that's not how it works. That's, that, that logic is illogic, right? And, and that's, that's how it works. That's not how it works. So, so I, what I'm hoping is that because of this crisis, business leaders learn to see the invisible, which they don't have to see by themselves. They can bring their teams to help them see things that they cannot see by themselves mm-hmm. and to believe the unbelievable. And that means that sometimes you're going to have to believe things that contradict your own assumptions mm-hmm. because it is in those things where the next innovation or the next solution for the next crisis or the next pre- or the preparation for the next crisis are lying. 100% um, true. Now I think there's going to be so much more opportunity for so many more people because now companies realize that work can still be done, productivity still happens, and in some cases it increases because their people are more happy. Yeah. Um, but the caveat, or, or I would say the, the catch-22 on that is that we need to make sure that we are sharing and teaching effective strategies for people to be able to focus on the right thing at the right time for work. And so I would ask you, what are some of the things or strategies or maybe habits or hacks that you, we would share with individuals of how do you manage now um, work and life, especially if you're working from home? Well, you know, it's, uh, I'm biased in that sense because I, you know, I've worked from, from, I love working from home and, and, uh, and, and to me it is, um, it is uh, you know, I, I find uh, a lot of uh, joy and, and, and happiness in, in working from home, even though it feels lonely sometimes. But, you know, I have so many calls every day that I'm always like, okay, I need a rest of talking to people. <laughs> you, know, <it's> like, <laughs> uh, you know, the one thing that I would suggest to everybody working from home right now is, um, you know, social distancing does not mean social isolation. Mm-hmm. And this is a very critical thing to understand. You know, I mean, while you have to be away from people, from touching them, from hugging them, from kissing them, from seeing them, from hanging out with them, uh, you know, we have technology right now. You and I are connected on Zoom. There's many other mm-hmm. technologies out there that people can use or just, you know, just a simple, a simple phone call, right, to, to, you know, your family, your significant others, and, um, you know, uh, your coworkers, whatever it is, don't lose the, the human touch. Mm-hmm. And, and right now that human touch, it is, you know, it is a human online touch, right? It is, mm-hmm. you know, it is, we, we can only do it through online platforms. But to me, the first thing is do not 
think that uh, that social distancing, physical social distancing, means that you have to be isolated from the world. You can still uh, connect to people, and I I encourage everybody to connect with people because this can feel really lonely. Mm-hmm. You know, like for example, I myself, I am an outdoors uh, outdoors person. I spend a lot of time in the wilderness, running in the mountains, and it's hard for me, even though I'm used to this. Uh, working from home, it is hard for me not, not, not to be able to be out there. Mm-hmm. So I, you know, I, I imagine people who are just like by themselves and, and, you know, they are used to just going to work and because that was their, their social outlet. Mm-hmm. So, so, you know, be, be, be in contact, in touch, uh, in online touch with other, with other people. Uh, so don't, don't, look, don't, lose, don't lose, uh, lose touch of, of, of that human touch. Um, then the other thing is that, you know, you're, you have to be compassionate to yourself or with yourself. And what that means is that, you know, and I've been saying this ever since this coronavirus exploded over, you know, at least here in the United States for the past mm-hmm. three or four weeks. I have been saying that we can't transfer the, the, the way we worked and the way we lived uh, in the in-person world to the online world. We can't just do a transfer. It doesn't work that way. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it doesn't work that way because, then, you know, like when you work from home, then you have your family around, your kids, your, you know, your pets, your, you know, the fridge is there. You want to go and get something every, all the time. And, you know, there are many distractions. And, and you, have, you have to reassess the way you do your work, the way you relate to others when you are in the online world. Mm-hmm. And when I say you have to be compassionate with yourself, that means that, you know, especially in times of crisis, things won't necessarily, uh, you know, go the way you want them to go. So mm-hmm. you have to be patient. You have to focus on, on the essentials, on what really matters, on what's important. You have to try to take all the noise and the waste away outside of, you know, like away from you. Because there's going to be many distractions that, you know, that do not really... Um, you know, they, they don't, they're not really worth your time, you know, so you're going to have to be more mindful about what you put your attention into, right? It's going to be, it's mm-hmm. going to have to be your family. It's going to have to be your friends, your work. And um, so to me, it is being in touch with other humans and making sure that you are very, very uh, loving to others and to yourself as well, because this is hard for everybody. We're all in this together. Uh, you know, I was interviewing somebody yesterday and he said something. He said, this is the first time in history this is the first time in the history of humanity that mm-hmm. we are all going through the very, very same pain. Mm-hmm. You know, like even in the, in the world wars before, you know, many nations were involved in wars, but not all. Mm-hmm. So it is now when we are seeing something that really impacts the lives uh, of everybody in the planet, regardless of, you know, uh, whatever thing that, you know, brings us apart you know, this virus doesn't really care about that. It doesn't care if you are a Republican mm-hmm. or a Democrat, if you are straight or gay, if you're black or white, if you are, you know, Latino or, uh, you know, or North American, it doesn't matter. You know, the virus is not discriminating against anybody. Mm-hmm. So it is the first time that we're all going through this pain. So we have to be very, very loving uh, uh, and empathetic and tolerant and understanding and caring with others, but very much with ourselves as well. I totally agree with that. And I think the beauty of that is people are going to see is now maybe some of our male peers who never really understood what it was like to balance work and life or balance children or balance the, the household. Um, they're probably going to appreciate now the talent and the focus and the um, just the, the organization that it takes to be able to manage your children, manage other kind of competing priorities with work at the same time. So I think maybe you will start seeing some individuals who are going to appreciate um, 
the energy, the effort, and the work that it takes to have a full-time job and manage a household or be able to work from home uh, and be successful. And because I think a lot of them, I have a lot of peers and male peers who are reaching out and we're like, oh my God, I've never realized how much, mm-hmm. you know, my wife was having to do when she was working from home or coming home and taking care of things. Now it's like they're being forced to see it and experience it. So they take yeah. it away with them. I, I, post, I posted something on my LinkedIn. I think it was a few days ago. And, and I said, if I hear anybody ever again, saying that they will not give women the opportunities for promotion or leadership positions because they have to take care, take care of family. And that means in their mm-hmm. minds that they wouldn't be able to take care of, of work. I'm going to smack them in their head. Uh, <laughs> that's what I said. Mm-hmm. Because this, I mean, it's been proven already. I mean, this is not a new thing that, mm-hmm. that you can deal with all these things. And nobody's expecting any, 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 any woman to be a superwoman, right? Mm-hmm. But the reality is, that you are taking care of family, of the household, and of work. I mean, should you have, is it, is it fair that you have all this, all this uh, burden just on you? No, it's not fair, but that's historically what has, what's happened. Mm-hmm. And historically what's happened from the workplace is that, especially male leaders, but I've also found some female leaders thinking the same thing. Yes. Some leaders thinking like, oh, you know what, Monica, oh, you have to take care of your, of your, of your, of your baby. Oh, I'm sorry. Well, you know, maybe we're going to pass you for a promotion now until mm-hmm. you are back at work. And I'm like, what the heck are you talking about? Mm-hmm. You know, you can do all these things at the same time because you have been doing them before. So, <laughs> yes. so my hope is that this really changes the way we think about the, 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 the opportunities that we're providing to those that are leading, uh, you know, in work, in the, in home and, you know, with taking care of family, which sometimes, you know, it, most of the times it is women, sometimes it is men as well, right. That mm-hmm. are going through this yes. sort of pain of not finding opportunities because it's, it's less in, in the, in, in males, but it also happens. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, so anyhow, you know, I just want to make that comment because I think this is a very, important experience for us to finally, you know, ditch those stupid mistaken assumptions that we have made about people that are, you know, uh, the leaders of their, of their, in their, in their households, you know, the, the heads of their households. Yes. So switching gears a little bit, uh, one of the things that I've been extremely impressed about you is your ability to build such a huge community within the HR community. Um, you've been able to build this community virtually and you know how do you how do you do that especially now that there is going to be this shift right like you said people working from home have to learn how to foster long-lasting relationships and and powerful relationships virtually how did you gain access and proximity to influential leaders and how do you maintain them um, from afar that's a that's an interesting question I, I I think it is to, to me, the most uh, important thing that we have done with this community or the most important underlying principle of our community is that we are very authentic with what we want. Mm-hmm. And I think that's what, what's made the difference in the work that we've done and in the impact that we have. Since the very beginning, the, the, the motto of Hacking HR was very simple, to create the best HR that has ever existed. Mm-hmm. You know, you go back to, uh, you go back to September of 2017 when we put together the first event, and you go back to the video that I posted, you know, a week ago about something related to hacking HR, and it's been always the same. We want to create the best HR that has ever existed, but not for the sake of HR, mm-hmm. but 
for the sake of creating a better workplace, because I think that once we create a better HR, we're going to have a better workplace. And if we have a better workplace, we have better mm-hmm. societies as well. Right. So I think that the way people see the work that we're doing in Hacking HR is very authentic. And we started, you know, our offering, 99.9% of all our offering is free. Mm-hmm. So people not only see that this is authentic, they see like, well, these guys are putting all like, you know, the conference that we had three weeks ago, mm-hmm. you know, this, that, that conference took 50, 60 hours of work of my, of me a week. And I was mm-hmm. doing all that for free. You know, right. yes, we got seven <laughs> or eight sponsors, but you know, that was not that much money. It, you know, it was enough for us to pay some expenses and, you know, to have a little bit of leverage and revenue to, you know, for future investments mm-hmm. that, you know, there are other events that are extremely expensive. They, you know, they get all this money from the sponsors and I don't think they have the same impact that we have mm-hmm. or that we had with our event. So for people, the way people saw it is, you know, these guys are authentic in the work that they are doing and what they want out of it. And they are not trying to rip anybody off by when they are doing that work. Mm-hmm. And when people see that, they see that as something genuine and that we really want to make a difference. To me, when people ask me, you know, what is your end goal? Is to make a difference, right? Mm-hmm. The, I, I don't want to be rich. I mean, I, I want to be enough to just live, you know, uh, without having, you know, uh, uh, the pain of, ha- you know, thinking what am I going to eat tomorrow. Mm-hmm. Uh, but to me, the, 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 what guides me is I want to leave a, a legacy. You know, I want to have an impact in HR. Mm-hmm. And if I can say, you know, that we have transformed the HR function through the work that we're doing in Hacking HR, that to me is the most important thing. So I see, I think that that's why people are very attracted to what we're doing because of that authenticity, because of how genuine we are in the work that we do. And because of the fact that everybody who's coming to this community comes, comes with the same principles, by the way, mm-hmm. they are vendors, they are consultants, they are practitioners, but when they come here, they come selflessly and unconditionally to give to others and share with others and collaborate with others. They don't come to sell. They don't come to, you know, uh, uh, they, they come here to, to build and improve and make this community better to create the, better, the best HR that has ever existed. So I think that's, that's what, what determines or, or that, what makes a difference in the work that we've done versus other HR groups, perhaps. No, absolutely. So it's the authenticity um, that you bring with every interaction that you're having with individuals that they see that and, and it creates that trust that you need yes. in that relationship. I think that's I, beautiful. Yeah, I think so. Yes. So wrapping up, I would love for just given your, if you could look in a crystal ball and giving, you know, your background in, in terms of um, innovation and thinking about the coronavirus and how the, work, the world of work has kind of been flipped on its head, how would you define the new normal in a month from now, two months from now? What do you think we're going to land at in terms of what is going to be the new normal for the workplace? Um, well, that's a, I, I think in one or two months from now would be too early to think about a new normal. I think we are going to go you know, and I don't want to sugarcoat this. I think mm-hmm. we're going to go through a lot of pain mm-hmm. uh, in the next uh, weeks and, and months to come. You know, there's a, we're going to see, you know, uh, you know, thousands of companies shutting down and, and you know, thousands of uh, local, local economies, you know, collapsing. Mm-hmm. I think when we are like over the main sort of peak of this crisis, we're going to get to a new normality where, you know, working from home will be okay, mm-hmm. where, you know, we're going to leverage more on technology to do the work that we do in a more effective and efficient way. Mm-hmm. I'm thinking that, you know, I'm hoping that, uh, you know, HR will rise 
as, as a function that l- led through times of crisis with empathy and love. Mm-hmm. And because, well, you know, it's going to be very hard. And, you know, HR will have to make with their business leaders, we have to make the tough decisions sometimes to lay people off because it's the only way for that one company to continue operating, especially if they are a small to medium sized companies. Mm-hmm. Uh, but HR will do so, I'm hoping, with, you know, beginning with empathy, right? And so I think that new normality will be leveraging on technology, being open minded to. Uh, innovation and agility in the workplace, letting people work from home, leveraging on trust to know that people will do their best even if they are at home, mm-hmm. that the fact that they are at home while working and taking care of family does not prevent them from being great, great employees and great contributors or great leaders in their companies. And, and you know, like I said at the very beginning of our conversation, I'm hoping that we come to a place where we finally sit down and say, you know what, uh, you know, these differences, these things that have, separated us for such a long time you know you are a republican i'm a democrat you support this you trump and i don't mm-hmm. support trump i am hoping that eventually we come to a place where we say you know what i mean we will continue to have differences in some things but there are many other things that uh, we're gonna have to agree you know like mm-hmm. healthcare, for example or like the safety net for uh, the most vulnerable people or you know how to take care of a small to medium-sized companies, which is the fabric of the of employment and agility and innovation in this country. How we're mm-hmm. going to take care of them in times of crisis. Um, so, so you know, like you know, taxes is another thing that I think we're going to have to in the new normality. We're going to come up to you know, we're going to come across to this idea of whether you know, decreasing taxes for those who have the most amount of money makes sense, mm-hmm. uh, especially when we are in good times, because what happens when we are in the bad times, then we don't have any savings. You know what right, I'm saying? Right. So I think that new normality will come and I'm hoping that we all get together to discuss about that. Um, I think what's, what's going to happen in the next one to two months is that because we were thrown into this very fast readjustment period. You know, in mm-hmm. two weeks, we were told you cannot come to work, you cannot go to the restaurant, you cannot, you cannot leave your home, you cannot do this, you cannot do that. And that has all happened, at least here in the United States, in the past two or three weeks. Mm-hmm. We were totally thrown off tracks. We were caught off guard. And for us, this is all very new. But if this crisis continues, and I'm hoping it doesn't, but if this coronavirus thing continues, there, you know, in a month or two months from now, I'm hoping that we are in a place where we say, you know what, this thing re- working remotely or talking to people online, which one month ago was totally new for me, now it's normal. Mm-hmm. You know, me going to the store, you know, and, uh, you know, like, using gloves or like washing my hands every day, you know, after I touch everything, you know, that's, that was new for me one month ago. Now it becomes my new normality. So we're going to, some of the things that are happening right now, we're going to embrace them as new normality, even if we ditch them a little later uh, mm-hmm. when we are out of this uh, main crisis. But work, work-wise, I'm hoping that we come together and redefine what work looks like for the future. And we become way more human. That's the most important thing of all, that we've really, really become way more human than than we have ever been before. That is beautiful. And one last question for our listeners. What would be the one piece of advice or the key for them to be successful during this, in in this environment? I think we're going to have to embrace two things. We're going to have to embrace the fact that this is hard. Mm -hmm. There's going to be a lot of suffering. I'm not saying that we have to grow a thicker skin and become, you know, oblivious to the suffering of others. Mm-hmm. But I think we will see more suffering and, and 
it's going to be hard. So we have to prepare mentally, physically, emotionally for to see all that's going to happen because this is it's going to be really hard. What's coming, no matter what some leaders uh, think they want to happen or what they say will happen, mm-hmm. you know, it will be very hard in the few weeks to come. So I think we have to embrace the fact that we have to prepare, you know, emotionally, physically, mentally for what's coming. And then the second thing is that I am hoping that this, uh, you know, teaches us in some way to become more comfortable with the uncomfortable, to become more comfortable with uncertainty and chaos. Mm. Because the new reality of work, at least for the past, you know, maybe 15, 20 years has been chaos, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, it, it's, it's, it's interesting that the president of one country says one thing and the stock market goes down or goes up, right? Mm-hmm. So that's, that's how volatile our world is today, you know? And, and so we have to become more, not only acquainted, but comfortable with the fact that the new reality of life and work is very chaotic, it's very volatile and very uncertain. Mm-hmm. And if we find a way to continue to thrive and be okay in spite of all those circumstances, I think mm-hmm. we're going to be in a good place whenever all this is, whenever we're all over this crisis mm-hmm. and into the future whenever we deal with some of the crisis. The, 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 the thing with humans is that we are not good at managing crisis. We like, we like comfort. We like normality. Mm-hmm. We like same thing day in and day out. Even, even when people say that they don't like uh, routine, <laughs> we like routine. You know, mm-hmm. like just think about when you drive to work or when you, you know, the, you know, even when you shower yourself, you know, what, what, you know, you soap your first, your, your face first. And that's what you do every time because we like mm-hmm. routine. You know, we don't like breaking that, breaking that apart. But now we are in a time that will extend itself into the future as in, it's, it's chaos, it's uncertain, and we're going to have to learn our, you know, to be comfortable with the fact that maybe some days we're going to have to drive to work in a different route, and mm-hmm. that's going to be fine, right? And we're going we're gonna to survive that. Um, and if we learn how to embrace that uncertainty, that chaos, that uh, you know, difficulties that we're going to be dealing with, I think we're going to be you know, better prepared to deal with future crises and also to embrace future opportunities. Very insightful. And with that, I want to thank you so much, Enrique, for taking this time to uh, share your insights and um, with our audience here at the Beyond Barriers podcast. And we look forward to having you on in the future. Thank you so much for inviting me. Absolutely. Thanks for listening. There are thousands of podcasts out there, and we are so grateful that you've chosen to listen to ours. Visit IamBeyondBarriers.com, where you'll find show notes and links to all the resources referenced in this episode. And be sure to take the quiz on the website. Your score will tell you where you are, what helps you gain momentum, and what holds you back. You'll also get a free guide with cutting-edge career strategies. We'd also love to hear from you. Share your comments and topic suggestions on IamBeyondBarriers.com and we'll be sure to address them in future episodes. If you enjoyed our show today, please subscribe and rate the podcast or just tell a friend about it. See you next episode.